which national pundit has the Cougars finishing in the top half of the Big 12? Plus, how many years before we expect BYU to finish in the top four in the new conference? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is the last day of May, Wednesday, May 31st. I'm Jeremy Jordan, teamed up with road ticket broker Dave McCann. It's that kind of a day. Everyone's packing their bags for which Big 12 game they want to go to. Uh, tickets are on sale for BYU fans starting today for road games. Uh, Cougar Club membership uh, level and points and all that stuff will determine who gets the first pick and all that stuff. But the fact that they're out there today, which makes today a special day. That's exciting. The most expensive ticket, predictably, is Texas at $135. bucks. i have uh, been there. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, 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 maybe outside of Keith Urban, I don't know if, if anything's worth 130 bucks or 35 but this might be it. You know, and if you take your friends, remember this is per ticket. Yeah. But um, that, that, this is a memory that, that we may never play Texas again now that they're leaving the conference. Yeah. Uh, circle that one. That one's a must one. Break the piggy bank for that one. Oklahoma State, just a, just a cool 75. And again, this is through the Cougar Club if you want to like sit in the BYU official section, right? People come up to me all the time. They're like, oh, I couldn't go because it was sold out. No, no, no. There's no such thing as a sellout in that regard. Secondary places like StubHub yeah. and SeatGeek, you can always get a ticket. Texas has, what, 100,000 yes. seats? There's a seat for you. I was there two weeks ago um, on the field looking yeah. around, and I was like, hey, it's going to be popping uh, in late October when BYU's here. It's, it's going to be awesome popping. Uh, Arkansas and the SEC, the Cougars go there, uh, 115 bucks a ticket. That's about right. There's seats there for you if, if you want to pay to get in. Kansas, 95 bucks for the historic Big 12 opener. Feels like a lot for Kansas, but Kansas is better. Like, they're, uh, they're good. In fact, uh, we'll, we'll learn a bit more about the Jayhawks today. On the show. Five more bucks than TCU, or less than TCU, <laughs> right? TCU went TCU's to the national title game. <laughs> Remember, TCU. They were then $5. TCU said, no BYU fans are getting tickets to our game in the individual sales. Yeah. But so... In theory, this is your way to get into the, to the game in Fort Worth. You're you guaranteed to sit with BYU, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, if you got some cash, you can find a seat in there. On today's show, we're going to hear from Kansas's play-by-play guy, Brian Haney. Again, he's first up. The Jayhawks are first up for BYU in the Big 12. If given the choice, would you take a 7-5 and five season right now or just let the thing play out? Think about that one. We're going to go deep blue with BYU fan Jackson Garrick and uh, global Jimmermania. Jimmer takes the first step towards world domination today. We'll update you on that. Jimmer in a three-on-three. Three. My money's on him. Yeah, world domination reminds me of Risk. I love playing <laughs> Risk. It's a great game. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Okay, Cam Miller of College Football Network, homie of the program, projects BYU to go 7-5, and five, finish tied for 6th in the Big 12. 6th, you say. Uh, would you take both of those results, or would you rather play it out and see what happens? We've already talked many times about how a 7-5 and five would be a great season. So, naturally, you're tempted to take that guarantee. However... We live for the game. So I'm going to take door number two, which is let it play out. Maybe they'll do worse than 7-5. and five. 
Maybe they'll do better, but it's the week-in and week-out drama that, that holds us dear to college football. However, I'm very interested in how Cam came to a 7-5 and five record. Yes, let's break that down. So he has uh, BYU winning a close one over Sam Houston, 31-25. I don't think we'd like that result out of the gates. Southern Utah, 35-11. Obviously, we'd like a win, but not by that margin. BYU loses at Arkansas. He has that a 13-point game. Loses at Kansas. Beats Cincinnati in a close one. Close win at TCU. Surprise huh? like there. Like that one. Surprise That's there. surprise. Beats Texas Tech at home. Loses to Texas by 14. Then a close win at West Virginia. Uh, and then losses at home to Iowa State. That would be a disappointing loss. Loss at home to Oklahoma. And then a uh, regular season finale win against Oklahoma State. So the, the sixth win would come at the beginning of November. And so BYU would know it's bowl eligible at that point in this projection. As, as I look at his picks, um, you, there's some surprises in there. One, he doesn't like TCU at all. We'll show you where he picks them in the standings here in a moment. Uh, and they were in the championship game last year. They can't be that bad. <laughs> Right? Could but, they possibly but, but fall? He Could they fall as far as they went up? He thinks you know what they're I mean? tanking. <laughs> uh, none of his picks are blowouts, right? Yeah, is um, there a single one beyond As far as the losses 17? go, they're all right there, yep. um, which I think we'd all be happy to see. Uh, if, if BYU's not going to run the table, but if they're competitive in every game and then grab their share of them, I think we're going, hey, because year two's coming, right? They're in the Big 12, the second year two, and the third, and it's, it's all about marching in and building. Um, so I, I, seven and five, I would gladly put my arms around it, but I still have to see it because uh, it's the game we love. We like the means. We like it's seeing the, the drama. It's when the teams come out. You really don't know what's going to happen. If we already knew, yes, then we'd just move on to basketball season. Maybe a better comp would be: you know, BYU, would you take BYU going seven and five, and you don't know which games are wins? You get to watch the season, but you know there are seven in there. Versus, yeah, then, oh, that would be pretty good. What would you take in that situation? If you knew there was BYU will win seven regular season games, you just don't know which one. Uh, I, I would take that if I knew they win seven with a chance for eight. <laughs> In a bowl game? <laughs> or, or whatever, because then you know, hey, after we got the, we got the next two, yeah. we know what's coming. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take three of the next yes. five? And once Sign you, me up. Once you get that seventh, you're like, oh, man. Uh, but <laughs> it, it's interesting to see this. He has a lot of scoregami uh, in there. Scoregami is like a unique score that doesn't happen. So he's got some uh, weird kind of 29s and 23s and whatnot. 22s. Yeah, kind of interesting. Two-point conversions work and (laughs) don't. I don't know. Um, But in the Big 12 standings, he's got BYU at 5-4 and and in 6th. I would take a winning record in league right now. To me, that is the thing. Uh, Obviously, we're looking at bowl eligibility first. But can BYU get on the the high side of those nine games in league, 5-4? and Four and five certainly is uh, something BYU that would be good, but it's relatively good. I think in the future, in a couple years, which we'll get to in a second, we won't be as accepting as, say, a three and six in league or a four and five. A winning record every year in league is going to get you into a bowl game because BYU is going to play an FCS team, hopefully a winnable FBS, and then there'll be one P5 that will be challenging. And hopefully every other year that's at home. So there'll be some years where BYU goes three and oh in non conference, and now you're like, Okay, can we go six and three in league and get to nine wins and be interesting, right? So it, it's interesting. I look at Texas. everybody's low balling BYU, including us, in yeah. terms of like sub eight wins. To right. me, eight plus is a good season. But the first season in the Big 12, sort of graded on a curve. Not sure what BYU has exactly. Not sure how hard this experience is going to be. I don't know what TCU did to Cam. I don't know if they denied him a press box seat with dinner, but he's got them 
At number nine, going three and six in the Big 12, mm. from the national championship to three and six, and he's got Texas. Everyone's in love with Texas. He's got Texas at nine and zero. Oh. Texas it's a classic has, preseason. Has Texas tale. ever been nine and zero oh in our lifetime? It doesn't seem like it. If they have, with Colt McCoy, you got to go way back against. In the Maybe the year they beat game. USC in the in the yeah, national championship that year. Um, They've had some good years, but in the last like ten or twelve, it's not been the same kind of. Yeah. As good as Texas is in the number one revenue school and the amazing recruiting classes they get, they underachieve from that standpoint every year. Like we think we have high expectations generally for BYU. It's not even close no, no. to what Texas does. We're just hoping BYU goes to a bowl game. Well, you look, look at Cam. It's, it's, he's got Oklahoma State and West Virginia, 13th and 14th. One and eight, one and eight. These are two of the pioneers in the league, right? And all these newcomers come in and just finish better than them. Yeah. It's like the, I guess West Virginia's have, a newcomer. I guess, yeah. I guess kind of. But if you're Oklahoma State, do, do you, you do not have any pride? I'd expect them to be a contender. They lost a lot of pieces, yeah. including Caleb Etienne, starting left tackle. Uh, Spencer Saunders went to Ole Miss, where he's going to compete with Jackson Dart for the starting spot there. They lost something. Can BYU be the best um, new, newbie in the league, by the way? Um, he has UCF at 7-5, and 5-4, five, five and, um, and then Cincinnati and Houston going 4-8 and eight and 2-7 and seven in the league, respectively. If BYU is the best of those four, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think UCF is going to be pretty good. Um, and, and in the top kind of half of the league. Can BYU overcome um, sort of just low expectations? Now, listen, we can have high expectations. We did that last year, and BYU underperformed. We expect a lot out of that group. BYU's just way better as a dog. They just are. Like, I love this. In fact, if we just lowered it a touch, I think it cranked the team up a notch. Yeah. Like, BYU, BYU functions better when they, they think no one thinks we can do this. And these so pro- no one thinks BYU can do it. So go do it. Like, BYU operates better that way. These are projections based on complete health. And, uh, and that's really the, the hump BYU's got to get over for a full season of competitive football in, in a P5 atmosphere. They just haven't been able to. But they've spent this whole offseason, you know, putting dishes in the cupboards, loading things up. Yes. Um, to answer that question. And uh, proofs in the performance, right? Expectations are awesome because we talk about it all the time. But it's like they're in a position to be better than they've ever been depth-wise against a a, a competition bigger and better than they've ever had consistency-wise. And that's the drama of the game. Maybe it's less about being healthy and more about when inevitably we are injured, can we maintain the standard? Yeah. I think the other that's teams are going to get hurt, too. I think, we used, yeah, I think we used to say, well, BYU's got to avoid injury. How avoidable is it? Like, does BYU do something different in the weight room now? They do fewer squats, so they're not yeah. going to be as uh, pulling hamstrings and, and ACLs suddenly? Like, it's football. You're going to get hurt to some degree. I don't know how controllable that is. But it is big boy football now. You're going to get a little more hurt, a little more physical. So more depth is great, which I think BYU has. More guys. And, and, and the, 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 the fittest are the ones standing at the end, right? USC, had their quarterback not getting hurt, they wouldn't have got beat by Utah. There's just some things where health makes such a big difference, and it has for BYU. Good little jab there at the end. That's great. I golfed with a Trojan <laughs> fan the other day. It was still in my mind. All right. How many years before you expect BYU to finish in the top four? In the Big 12. Okay, this is a good question because to me, top four is like, okay, you're one of the best teams in the league, obviously. Um, Okay, I've looked at two teams to sort of gauge what it took for them to sort of compare here. Let's talk about Utah and TCU. Utah went eight and five, and you're one of the Pac 12. Wow! Your two and three went five and seven. Okay, it struggled. Year four, they go nine and four, 
Five and four in league, tied for sixth. And I'm just going by divisions, right? They don't have the full no division thing that now the Big 12 has. Okay, in the fifth year, 10 and three, six and three in league, tied for fourth. It took five years. TCU, third year, took second in the league at eight and one. 12 and one, went to the Peach Bowl. Fourth year, 11 and two, took second, seven and two. TCU was more ready. They went a year after Utah, by the way, 2012. Remember, BYU plays TCU last year in the Mountain West, first year of Indy, yeah. in Jerry's world. BYU loses a game there by uh, 10. That was the game where Riley Nelson gave the, uh, the yes. referee a high five. I was the KSL radio that? reporter <laughs> right by that high five, and I go to flip on this switch, and it takes like three seconds to like yeah. go hot, and I start to say what I think is this amazing scene I just witnessed, and Mark Lyons jumps in and says it, and I was oh. like, Mark is on it. And I was too slow. Um, but, okay, Utah took five years. TCU took three. I'm going to say five. In, in five years, I'm hoping that BYU can compete in the top four of the Big 12. It's going to take a sec. And maybe, um, no, I believe it is, BYU is more ready than they were for this jump. Right. But I do believe that the talent at TCU is generally better than BYU's. I think BYU's coaching and development is better than a lot of schools in the country. So, but I will give it five years before it's like, okay, top four. I would like it to be three. I'm going to go less than five based on what you said about how they've been prepared. I mean, 12 years to get ready for this as opposed to Utah and TCU got the call and then, and then they were in or so it feels. Um, did BYU's scheduling, especially these last four years, prepare them for this so they don't go in at the bottom looking up, they go into the middle looking up. And if you're in the middle, mm -hmm. you just got to jump two teams and you're in the in the four. Agreed. So I think less than five because of independence. So like three-ish? Yeah, three maybe four? three or four. Yeah. Um, not this year. Um, not next year. But then again, they might. Um, or, they, or they could have a reality check and go, okay, you know, it's taken Kansas forever just to become competitive. And we're going to talk just with their play-by-play -play -play announcer in a bit to find out yeah. how they're seeing things because now they're optimistic because they're moving the football. If you have a good quarterback, should you always be in the top four if you have one of the best quarterbacks in that league? Depends what else you have, but certainly yeah. Kansas is way more interesting with Jalen Daniels. Sure. He's a baller. Sure. And the quarterbacks, Oklahoma State, when, when they've got a quarterback, when Oklahoma has a quarterback, they're in that group. They always have a quarterback. You know? <laughs> always. When Texas has a quarterback, and they don't always have a quarterback, yep. they're in that group. And this year they have a quarterback, and they're in the discussion. They have to a go couple quarterbacks. You know, yeah. according to some. Um, but I, but I think you're right. There has to be time to build. But, but BYU has done a lot of the building. And I'd be disappointed if they, if they didn't go in in the middle because of the last 12 years. Is the only reason we're not thinking BYU can be top four this year just because it's new quarterback, new running back, new left tackle kind of with Kingsley? Like, what, why aren't we saying, hey, out of the gates, they should go there? We just don't know what the Big 12 is. I think that's why. We're just, okay, when you play 10 power fives, what's that like? Historically, BYU wins 40% of those. Like, four and six would be good enough to make a bowl, but it wouldn't be good enough to be in the top half. So I, I, think we're, I also think we're keeping it low because last year we got burned with expecting something high, and it didn't happen. Ran so into a buzzsaw to Oregon, and then all of a sudden it took us, what, most of the season to recover from that. Yeah. I mean, they jumped up to what, number 13 in the country? 12 at Oregon. 12. Heading, to, heading to Oregon. And that's when everyone starts thinking, and we did too, it's like, well, if they beat Oregon, and Oregon got destroyed by Georgia, so why couldn't they beat Oregon? Then all of a sudden, well, we're going to run the table. That's how our mind works. And then Oregon just <laughs> pounded us. And so then it was like, okay, we're, we're not doing that. Yeah. Now let's, 
let's get ready for, well, we got Notre Dame coming up or whatever. Um, and physically, we, were, we weren't quite there. We never had a healthy team the whole season. Not even from the first moment. Gunner wasn't in the first moment. Uh, and Puka was out after, what, three possessions? And Jaren gets hurt. We, yep. just, we just never had it. And now we're heading into a tougher schedule. So I think that's why there's the hesitancy of what are we going to look like in October and November? Because we've been there and done that. But two, not like this. Two or three seasons in, we'll have a way better se- – and even after this year, it's a 14-team league. Yeah. Next year, it'll be like, okay, no Texas, Oklahoma. What does that mean? Are we – if BYU goes 5-4 in, and four in four league, next do we go, oh, yeah, top four, let's go. Probably. Yeah. We don't, we don't like to uh, quell expectations around here, which brings <laughs> us to our question <laughs> like of the day. We like to build on them. It's part of our theology. We think anything <laughs> is possible, right? How many years before you expect BYU to finish top four in the Big 12? Weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at CDShaw99 on Twitter. I think it will take three to five years. That's the sweet spot yeah. with you and I as well. Give our new defensive staff a recruiting class to get the guys they want. We'll be strong enough on both sides with the Big 12 brand to compete at a high level, not to mention with the transfer portal. I think this is helping accelerate BYU's ascent. And, and we'll see, yeah, if BYU has a tremendous year this year, it doesn't mean next year is automatically given. Again, the Utah thing, 8-5, and 5-7, five, 5-7. Five and seven, five and seven. Yeah. It takes a sec. And, and let's be honest, there's going to be a year where BYU doesn't make a bowl and just stinks, but they can rise out of that like they did in 2017 to produce 2020, 2021, and a good 22. You know, when they joined the WAC, they weren't the behemoths. Arizona and Arizona State were. And then when we think of the WAC, we think BYU dominated every single year. Because then they did, and they built that up. Mountain West, same kind of thing. With TCU and, and Utah in there, and now Independence, we've kind of you know, all over the map, and here we go back into a league. You can win a league. Will Texas and Oklahoma leaving be the Arizona-Arizona state of the whack? Where it's like, oh, BYU can make it to Sentinel. Certainly a tougher draw than but at Wyoming least there's a precedent, state. right? <laughs> at yes. least there's a precedent. Yes, there is. Hey, plan to be with us on Friday as we review one of the best teams in BYU football history featuring Steve Young and the 12-game winning streak that really was the catalyst to winning the national championship the next year. 1983 reviewables, Friday, noon Eastern, BYU TV and BYU Radio. After the break, Brian Haney, Kansas Football Radio play-by-play, previews the Big 12 opener on September 23rd. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Leads it to the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas. Now looks right under pressure and sack. Keeping it. Left side. Touchdown. Picked by Kobe Bryant, the Mamba. September 23rd, BYU's first game in the Big 12 in football is in Lawrence, Kansas against the Jayhawks. Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Let's now preview that matchup in all things Kansas with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney here on BYU Sports Nation. Brian, we're excited to have you on the program. Talks Kansas football and maybe a little basketball as well. Yeah. Hey, Jerem. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Great to have you guys coming into the league. We were just talking off the air. I think in all sincerity of the four schools coming in, I'm most excited about BYU from your national brand and reputation to the chance to see such a beautiful place like Provo on a regular basis. All four schools are great additions, but I'm probably most excited about BYU for sure. Brian, paint a picture for us. September 23rd, BYU's in your stadium. It's the first Big 12 game for the Cougars. 
We anticipate a lot of BYU fans finding their way into that place. What kind of environment can the Cougars expect? Well, Dave, if you asked that question a year ago, I'd probably give you a very different answer. <laughs> but uh, for the first time in 14 years, we were bowling again. And uh, for the first time ever, Kansas and David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium hosted ESPN College Game Day. And it was the fourth most watched College Game Day atmosphere and environment in the history of the show. So Jayhawk fans showed up in droves. Like any great school or program, if you build a winner, they will come. And when we were down and out for over a decade, attendance was sparse. But Lance Leipold has this program on the rise, no doubt. And consequently, you know, the fan base, the 12th man, is piling on board as well. They're actually in the midst of renovating Kansas Memorial Stadium, and uh, it's a whole 11th and Mississippi project, which is the intersection that the, the campus uh, entrance and, and stadium is located at. So when you see it for the first time, it won't be what it will be in a couple of years, but change is coming for the first time in about 100 years to that stadium, and we're really excited about a state-of-the-art facility that will be here very soon for Kansas football and the atmosphere to back it up with a winning program that's only been to back-to-back -back bowl games once in its history, but that's what they're setting out to do next season with a quarterback in Jalen Daniels that we feel is a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender and, and a program that returns all of their assistant coaches. Forget this, guys. The first time in 20 years we've had every assistant wow. coach come back. That's the revolving door it had been with head coaches and assistants. But right now you've got a culture that's being built, coaching and player continuity, unlike we've had since the Orange Bowl era back in 2007. And that makes for a pretty excited fan base, too. And, and I'd like to think it makes for a pretty challenging Big 12 opener for BYU. But obviously in this league, they're all tough. But uh, the days of going to Kansas and just chalking up a win based on the down-and-out Jayhawks are definitely over and very much in the rearview mirror there are no gimmies that was the that. what we thought was a, a gimme before it's like hey at kansas that's what nope that's not a gimme and like you mentioned Jalen daniels tremendous led the big 12 in yards per attempt 18 touchdowns only four picks passing ran for 400 yards and seven scores what kind of difference can he make because obviously five and oh when he's the starter gets hurt in that sixth game and kind of the season takes sure. a, a tailspin after that is he good enough to single-handedly get Kansas back to a bowl game? I think he is. I think he's a future pro. I think he is everything you want your quarterback to be. He's got a big-time next-level arm. He's got the escapability and mobility when the play breaks down to make things happen with his feet. And he's got charisma, and it's just a natural leader, both by example and vocally, that you want as the face of the franchise-type guy. He came in and started as a 17-year-old his first year under Les Miles, kind of got thrown into the fire, got hurt. Uh, but you saw flashes of the great potential that had their original coaching staff so excited about him. And then under Leipold, he's just taken it to a whole other level. He returns the bulk of his top weapons at both receiver and tight end from last season. He's got a first-team All-Big 12 running back coming back in Devin Neal, a kid I call real deal Devin Neal. And Daniel Hyshaw's coming back from a major hip injury, too. He's a future pro. So this offense looks stacked, locked, and loaded. I think they can score 40 a game. I think they're going to be one of the most exciting teams in the country offensively. The question will be, defensively, can they take that next step? 
defensively can they be formidable in a league that has so many great offensive play callers and offensive playmakers. So we're looking forward to seeing if, if that aspect of this program takes the next leap as well. But if they do, this is a team that can be in the top 25 throughout the season. I think they have that much potential with a healthy Jalen Daniels. They were ranked before he went down with the injury. And obviously he, uh, he set all kinds of records in the bowl game versus Arkansas, a triple overtime loss, but never in my 20 year career have I ever called a loss that felt more like a win walking out of there. That's how we felt leaving the Liberty bowl and hopefully a big stepping stone for this program heading into the future. 544 passing yards and five touchdowns for Jalen Daniels in that game. BYU lost to Arkansas as well in a uh, shootout where the defense gave up 50-plus. So empathy there. I'm seeing three career punts from Jalen Daniels. Does he punt sometimes? <laughs> yeah, he'll do like the, the quick kick surprise punt <laughs> thing. But it's, it's not like John Hadle who played quarterback, halfback, and punter here back in the day and once had a 90-yarder. It's not like that or anything. But he can pin you deep if they decide to last second. Brian Haney, the play-by-play voice of the Kansas Jayhawks on BYU Sports Nation as we get ready for the Big 12 opener in September. From the outside of the Big 12 looking in uh, and looking at these scores and watching these games, there is such an emphasis on offense. It didn't used to be that way in the Big 12, but that's the world we're in now where 40 points is great, might not win the game. as, as these four teams, including BYU, join this league, everyone's trying to patch up the defense, but it's still just go out there and you got to get 40 points a game. you got to get 45 points a game to, to, to have a winning record in this conference. That's the way it's been. It may not always stay that way, but look at some of the quarterbacks that have come through this conference. And not all of them have had huge NFL success, but – you know, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, who's obviously the, the high man on the totem pole, or Tyler Murray, Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. I mean, this league has produced so many big-time quarterbacks, Heisman Trophy winners like RG3, Robert Griffin, and, and Sam Bradford, uh, and then other guys that have just been hugely successful NFL pros. And then the receiver talent and the running back talent, too, in this league. It's offensive star power and weaponry that makes for some really exciting Saturdays. And ever since Mike Leach came into the league, the late, great Mike Leach, you know, 20 years ago at Texas Tech and brought his air raid style, I kind of feel like a lot of the, the Big 12 offenses started to spread it out, air it out, and light up the scoreboard. Not exactly like Tech did, but similar. So it has been a offensive forward type league, uh, more so than, than what you'd see, say, in the SEC, which which has so many great uh, defensive line prospects that go straight to the league in the first round, and they're, they're more grounded, pound, and, and defensively focused. It is more of an offensive-minded league, but uh, if you can come in and show that you've got game changers and different difference makers on that defensive side of the ball, that might be the team that has the clear-cut advantage to win this league. But I, I think you guys are going to really enjoy uh, the level of competitiveness, game in and game out, regardless of venue, regardless of opponent. Most nights, anybody can be had. It's that good of a league, especially now that Kansas, who was for so many years the weakest link, now that they've stepped forward and, and launched themselves into the middle of the pack, this is truly a, a league of great parity and equity and, and a league where you're going to have a ton of fun each week because you truly don't know what's going to happen because the teams are that balanced here in the Big 12. And in basketball, it's even more so. The biggest challenge for BYU in any sport will be in men's basketball. It's the number one league. We're hoping BYU can somehow win a third of its league games next year, probably. Give us a sense of uh, what it's like in the Big 12 and hoops and obviously what BYU fans will experience with Rock Chalk Jayhawk at Allen Fieldhouse. 
Yeah, no doubt. Well, obviously, this is the winningest program in the history of college basketball, and we're really proud of the great Kansas tradition that Bill Self has built upon in his last 20 seasons. Up until just a few years ago, Kansas had won the Big 12 for 14 consecutive years, breaking UCLA's mark for the most consecutive conference championships of 13 of which John Wooden only coached nine. It took three UCLA coaches to uh, to win those 13 straight. Kansas, in a much more competitive modern era, did it for 14 straight years under self. And while they haven't necessarily won as many national titles in that window as they'd like, this is a program that has been a one seed 11 of the last 18 years, if you include the pandemic year when they would have been the one of ones. They're that consistent. And the league itself is very, very competitive, as you've seen in, in recent seasons. This past year, maybe the best example with uh, with so many teams that were in the top 25 or even top 15 of, of the uh, net rankings all throughout the season. So we're excited about the additions of BYU and Houston in particular in basketball. It just makes this conference even better. But you've got a lot of teams that have uh, produced Final Four contenders, but Kansas obviously is the flag carrier at the top of that. And so long as Bill Self is on the sidelines, and uh, obviously we didn't have him in the postseason last year because of a health scare, but so long as he's back there, we feel like we have the best coach in the country. And Kansas, thanks to a great spring in the portal, adding Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, Arterial Morris from Texas, uh, Timberlake, a Towson shooting guard that we're excited to get, and then four fantastic freshmen. This looks like the team to beat in college basketball. It looks like they'll be preseason number one. They're right now the odds-on favorite to win it all in Vegas. So that's uh, what BYU is walking into in terms of the Big 12 powers at the top and the competitiveness throughout. But uh, it's a really exciting basketball league, too. Everything I said about how, how tough it is night in and night out in football. It's the same in the basketball side of this thing, especially now with what Jerome Tang has done in one season at Kansas State and revitalizing them. Everybody has the potency to beat anybody, and uh, we found that out many times last season. So it's it's a really competitive league in both of the two major sports, and I think adding a program and an athletic department as talent-rich and tradition-rich as BYU only enhances that reputation. Well, we look forward to it. I'm not sure all of what you said was great news for BYU it per se. It didn't sound like it. Yeah, when Dickinson <laughs> left Michigan, I was like, oh, yeah, even more talent. No, but it's going to be fun, those challenges. Uh, and, and Kansas in the Marriott Center is going to be a ton of fun as well. Brian, we appreciate the time. We look forward to September 23rd. Thanks so much for the invite. We look forward to it as well. And welcome to the Big 12, guys. Thanks so much, Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Man, it's going to be uh, – Kansas in particular is so intriguing because hey, football got better. Appreciate Basketball obviously is yeah. overwhelming, um, but it's a bunch of Gonzagas and St. Mary's. Yeah. And BYU's yeah. had its share of wins in there, but uh, it's going to be much more of that. It's going to be a fun fight. Right? <laughs> We're not going to win all those fights, but yeah, listening to him roll that out uh, uh, about Kansas, like, okay, those are the top dogs. That's the standard when we go into that league for basketball and and for football, the standard fluctuates. And um, especially with, with the, the last year's champion picked to, by some to finish in, in ninth place. Um, and, and that gives, gives us reason to watch. It's like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Listen, we left Missouri and Kansas City a long time ago. <laughs> we're going, we're going back. back. <laughs> we're going back. We're going back and we're taking names. <laughs> we'll see what happens. That's the hope. If you missed any of our interviews, and this last one was really good, uh, Deep Blues shows our games. Uh, you can find them at BYUSN.com, or you can download the BYU TV app and get all the BYU TV sports content on demand. Love to hear him say, 
Welcome to the Big 12. That's pretty awesome. Coming up, the latest on Jim Rowe, Team USA in Austria, and Joel Klatt's college football relegation idea. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Jerem. He is Dave. Here are today's headlines. One of our favorite guys, former BYU men's basketball star Jimmer Fredette, playing for USA at the FIBA 3x3, 3-on-3 World Cup. Jimmer and Team USA won Game 1 today against Latvia, 21-17. They play Game 2 this afternoon against Austria. Tournament runs through June 4th in Austria. It's not an automatic qualifier for the Olympics, but it's going to have a lot to say about it. Michael Rucker was optioned to AAA Iowa after yielding 10 earned runs over eight and a third innings in his last four appearances. Tweeted uh, or texted back and forth with him yesterday. He'll be back up. Bummed to no, go to Iowa. No doubt. Uh, but he'll be back up. USA Women's Volleyball begins competition in the Volleyball Nations League. That's over in Turkey. And former Cougar Ronnie Jones Perry coming off the bench against Serbia in a five-set USA win. Nice, and the head coach of that team is Karch Karai. How about that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And former Cougar Calvin Whiting made his uh, Major League uh, Rugby first try of the season and the first 15 in the league after a stellar performance against Rugby ATL, scoring a try and recording 17 tackles. More on what Calvin overcame in the game later on. Those are today's headlines, now let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. CBS's Dennis Dodd reporting Colorado's had face-to-face -face talks with the Big 12 about rejoining the conference that they should have never left. Uh, of, of all this rhetoric, is this report the most significant? And do you believe the buffs are going to make the jump? I think eventually they will, because I don't have confidence in the Pac-12 sticking together, and Colorado certainly has an identity in the Big 12 that it doesn't really have in the Pac-12, although a lot of its alumni live in the Pac-12 area. Yeah, I'm not, on this story, I'm just kind of like, just let me know when they're actually coming to the Big 12. Yeah, and this one had the most to it only because it was, hey, they've actually met with Yarmark. It's like, okay, that's more than they're going to. Yeah. Maybe they say, no, they actually have. And, and why would you do that if, if you're not, if you don't have if your bags half-packed? Yes, and Deion Sanders certainly is influential in this, wanting to get back in Texas, reportedly, yeah. with recruiting. ESPN Today will release the start times and TV details for the first three weeks of the season. That's coming up at uh, 2 Eastern time. BYU opens with back-to-back -back home games. Do you want those games in the late TV window or in the middle of the afternoon? Late TV window, still be hot. Gives Cougar fans all day to simmer, uh, to travel in. Uh, puts game day on, let's say, prime time, two hours before. It's a late night for all of us, you're right. But this is Big 12 time. The logo's gonna be on the field. There'll be fireworks in the air. Give them to them at night. We play better at night. Yes, History is on our side at night. is really good. Um, if it's streamed only, like an ESPN Plus, I don't see why this couldn't be kind of middle of the afternoon. So we'll see what happens. On his podcast last week, Joel Klatt brought up a different aspect of conference realignment that he sees taking place in the future. Klatt said that pretty soon conferences will start looking at which teams they can drop, not add. Well then. Uh, do you like this? And if it catches on, should BYU be concerned? So this is essentially relegation. Um, and you couldn't drop a team suddenly. It has to be after the TV contract is up. 
So for the ACC, it's like in, uh, you know, 50 years. Yeah. Um, but no, I, well, you should always be worried because you need to win. But it's more teams like uh, Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten that aren't pulling their weight kind of deal. And they should have already been dropped. The fact that they're not going into the new TV deal they leads me to believe they're not going to. There's too much political stuff to trim guys and say, you know what, we've decided you're not as good as us, you're out. Yeah, and there's a lot that goes into dropping a school, some of which is on the field. Yeah. Auburn head coach, uh, Hugh Freeze. Hey, Hugh, he was at Liberty last year. Said the best way to get the transfer portal under control is to have the NCAA immediately restore its former policy to have players sit out a year before becoming eligible unless they uh, have graduated or their coach was fired. Is he right? Yeah, he is. To get it under control, yes. To have it continue to be a free-for-all, let kids transfer and play right away. So that's the issue they're talking about, is, hey, we, we can't even hold a roster together. Uh, if a kid really wants to transfer, let him really, really think about it, because he's going to have to sit out a year. And we saw what that did. We didn't have a lot of transfers back in the day. No. You'd have a couple. BYU pulled in 20 uh, this year. Um, you want to you get it under control, put that rule back in. Will that rule go back in? No one thinks it will. Is it out of control? And is it bad that it's, quote unquote, out of control? I, well, I, I got a few more years to decide. Yeah, and I don't have an issue with it at the moment. Like, if the coach can bounce, why can't the player? I don't, I don't see why not. Yeah, valid point. But if you want to rein it in, because right now all the, like John Robinson used to say, all the cows are out of the barn. Yeah, they're all out of the barn. They're yeah. all over the pasture. Yeah. We don't know if that's good for it yet or not. Right. BYU goes 8-4, and four, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's changed certainly men's hoops recruiting, um, and football is going that direction as well. Speaking of Auburn football, they tweeted a graphic that said Auburn is the only SEC school with a Bucky's, <laughs> which is a large gas station and convenience store chain. It's so random. Trolling tweets began rolling in, and you know if there's a trolling tweet, Lane Kiffin's involved from Ole Miss. <laughs> he comes in, Ole Miss is the only SEC school with a Chevron that sells chicken on a stick. <laughs> so finish with the graphic. Finish the statement. <laughs> BYU is the only school with? Cougar tails. Cougar tails. Tunnel singing. <laughs> I would say socks and sandals around campus, but that's more popular than you'd think. Cougar tails. Uh, <laughs> Cougar tails are trademarked. They're their own thing. You can only get them here. Yeah, it's super unique. <laughs> that's Chicken that's, on a stick. That's that sounds hilarious. delightful. Listen, Lane's an interesting cat to the point of having golf balls thrown at him at a Tennessee game last year. <laughs> yeah. But that is some funny stuff, man. Okay, uh, coming up. How a BYU fan with uh, cerebral palsy is defying all the odds, not only in the hospital, but on the hardwood. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. When BYU fan Jackson Garrick was born, the doctors weren't sure he was going to live due to a severe case of cerebral palsy. Jackson quickly showed his courage and will by defying the odds in the hospital. And now, years later, he's defying the odds on the hardwood. This is Deep Blue. Any memory with him has always involved basketball. As a mom, you just kind of know. You see when something's not right. I couldn't put a word to it. I didn't have a name. It wasn't so clear. It was just something was different. So as a dad, one of the things that I always wanted was for Jackson and Kobe to play together and maybe I could possibly be their coach. We want Jackson! We want Jackson! We want Jackson! We want Jackson! 
was normal up until the day he was born. And something was just different, kind of purplish, bluish, and he just seemed very limp. But nobody seemed concerned to us necessarily. The doctor didn't say any concern, and we just brought home a healthy baby. He was nine pounds. He was a big boy, and for all we knew, he was just like any of the rest, but still something was different about him. Maybe he always had a few problems with his speech, but I've always had a connection with him where I felt out of anyone in our family that I could always understand what he was saying, oddly. So for me, I, I don't think I really understood what Jackson had till even in middle school. Cerebral palsy has many levels, is what I've learned over the years. No two diagnoses are the same. And of course, cerebral palsy is a diagnosis that just means, well, it's nothing else. When he went to kindergarten, he had a very kind teacher. We went to the parent-teacher conference. And then she asked, you know, what do you want? What do you want Jackson to be? What do you want him to be? I hadn't thought. So I said, I just want to play basketball with Jackson. You know, it's always been a part of our family. I mean, I was named after Kobe Bryant. I didn't really have much of a choice. I wanted to name Jackson Shaq, but Nikki just wouldn't let me do it. Uh, but we named him after Phil Jackson. We all love basketball. It's just been what we do. She uh, was able to make sure that he had physical therapy as part of his school day. Parts of the day, they spent teaching him how to shoot baskets. And he came home shooting free throws. I, I wasn't that good as to hurt. What helped you get better? Practicing. So when we moved to Houston, Jackson was in third grade. He came home with a flyer about Special Olympics. I don't know why Nikki and I never put it together, but we didn't. Coach was really impressed with Jackson's skills, but also knew that he was kind of little compared to most of the guys and girls on the team. Well, one day after practice, Kobe and I were there playing a two-on-one together. And he saw how we treat Jackson, blocking his shots and knocking him all around. And he says, oh, that's it, Jackson's on the team went on to win three straight gold medal Texas State Championships. I won gold at the state basketball game in Dallas, and this is the biggest goal I have. Woo! A job opportunity came to, to us when we were living in Houston to move to the Coeur d'Alene Spokane area and shift my career into another area. It was a hard decision because Jackson was well-known in our district there in Houston. We had a lot of friends, and like I said, they were like family. We went to the Special Olympics in both Idaho and Washington, because it's right on the border. We thought, all right, we're going to double down, and this is going to be great. And it was starting to be OK. We started in Idaho, and, and then the pandemic hit, and it's all shut down. It was an isolating time. All of his older siblings were out of the house now. Lockdowns didn't help, things like that, moving to a new place. And our little sweet Jackson started to get, to become kind of an angry boy. Why did Heavenly Father make me this way? He'll say, that's hard to hear as a father. You don't have the answers. There were times where he would just, like, want to hurt himself. And so it was really clear that 
this was not the place for him. We came to Provo to visit my daughter when she was having our first grandson. I took Jackson to a BYU game. He loved it. He couldn't believe it. He says, is there any way I can play in the Marriott Center? I said, I don't know if that can happen, but there's got to be a BYU Special Olympics team. And there was. We got here, got associated with it right away. His first sport was bocce ball, and he got a silver medal as a BYU athlete. Awesome. In the middle school, he was the team manager for one of the basketball teams, and so he got to warm up with them and sit on the bench. And our coach at Mountain View said, well, that sounds reasonable. Like, we can have him come to practices. He can sit on the bench with us. You know, we'll do our best um, to in involve him. We went to their first practice, and they brought out all of his gear for him to wear, just like all the other basketball players. And I think he felt really excited about that, that he was on the team. You know, Jackson would come into practice, and he would shoot all practice long. And you know, you, you take a little break from your drill that you're doing, and you look down the court, and there's Jackson shooting his threes, and it goes in almost every single time. You know, everyone is just in awe, you know. I think a couple of us, after a drill, you know, we just kind of stood there for two minutes, and he didn't miss. Went from one spot to the next, to the next, to the next, and just hit all of them. And then he'll take steps back and keep shooting, and he'll make them. And then, you know, his mom will be there rebounding for him. And his mom will put a hand up, and he'll still make the shot. They never let him leave practice without fist bumping everyone or getting into the huddle. I mean, he's this quiet, shy, kid, new kid at school in special ed. How would they even know or care? But they did. And they welcomed him in immediately. And by the time senior night came around, they were just all, they were all in for his success. They just. We knew, because the guys had rallied and they were up by almost 40 by now. And there was a minute left, a minute and a half left, and we saw the coach nod, put Jackson in. And they called timeout, and, and uh, the crowd was chanting, we want Jackson, we. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting there on the bench next to some of my teammates and my coaches, and they start chanting Jackson, you know, I can feel it. I'm getting excited, because the best part of the game hasn't even come yet. Team Raleigh Drummond helped him get off the bench. They got him to where he needed to be to shoot the, his shot. My greatest feeling is always to play on the varsity basketball team. And when they hit that three-pointer, that was so fun. Everyone was jumping like crazy, cheering my name. Just from that one shot, you know, changed our whole course for the rest of our season. The energy he brings, um, the confidence he gives the rest of our team, it carries over game to game. He knows how to bring people up, and he knows how to take people down on the court. So. You know, back in kindergarten, when they said, we don't really know what he's going to be like when he's 18. Well, now we're here, he's 18, and we still don't really know what the future holds for him. But the one thing we do know for sure is basketball and Special Olympics will be a part of his life for always. Right now, I just want him to enjoy it all. Enjoy the success and the accolades. Do hard things. I want him to always be willing to try and 
you know, 30, 40 years from now, I just want Jackson to be with family members. He has a great capacity to love and to be loved. That's my greatest wish for him. Jackson Garrick, looking great in that BYU uniform. What an inspiration, and uh, pretty cool that he got in uh, the Mountain View game and made a three, man. Sports provides so many opportunities for good things, and that's spectacular. Garricks are awesome, huge BYU fans. Congrats, and thanks for letting us tell that story. That was awesome. Up next, which former Cougar helped his team win a game with a broken nose on Saturday? We'll tell you, this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our question of the day is this, how many years before you expect BYU football to finish in the top four in the Big 12? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Ben Hall on Twitter. The BYU fan part of me says it'll be this year. Okay, then. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Cougs have a great first year in the Big 12. Top four would be awesome. Today's Rise and Shoutout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics, to former rugby player Calvin Whiting, who broke his nose with friendly fire with the Utah Warriors on Saturday, but then later gets a, a carry and rumbles into the try zone for a score. He told me last night he's going to have surgery after the season. He's just playing through it. How do you... That's next level. That's crazy, man. Playing rugby with a broken nose. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all our shows on demand at BYUSN.com. Thanks to Brian Haney. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. We ran out of time for Dave. I'm Jerem. Shout out to Moroni Laulu Pututau. Does your coach dance when he enters the stadium? Ours does. Go Cougs. <laughs>